Beloved congregation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, we live in the New Testament age. We live after the King of the Kingdom of God has come to earth the first time. In the Old Testament, God's people look forward to the coming of the King, the Messiah. They were in eager anticipation. They had to look forward. They were waiting. But we live in the time when He has come. We live in the time of the reality. And yet, congregation, even for us, there still remains a tension. We have so much more than Old Testament Israel. But we still don't have the fullness. That kingdom has not yet come in its fullness. And that's why going into 2018, we still have much reason to pray, Your kingdom come. The kingdom hasn't come in our own lives in its fullness. The kingdom hasn't come in the life of the church in fullness. And there still remains so much rebellion and opposition against the king all around us. So much reason to pray for the coming of the kingdom. My congregation, you know that your king has given you tasks to serve him in his kingdom. You might remember from the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He made clear that seeking the kingdom had to be the number one priority in the life of his disciples. Something they had to be busy with. But then he also said, pray for it. Pray for the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't come through human effort. We have a task there, a task that involves effort. But ultimately it doesn't come through human effort, but it comes through divine work. And that's why we have to pray for the coming of the kingdom. Seek it as something from God. And so that's what we'll pay attention to this morning. That petition of the Lord's prayer Congregation, pray for the coming of the kingdom. And we're going to break that up a little bit in this petition. We pray, first of all, for the church ruled by God's word. Secondly, we pray for the demise of the enemies of God's word. And finally, what we're praying for is the fullness of the kingdom. So pray for the coming of the kingdom. That's your calling also as we enter into 2018. And in this petition, we are praying for the church ruled by God's word. We're praying for the demise, the bringing to nothing of the enemies of God's word. And finally, we are praying for the fullness of the kingdom. So first of all, in this petition, we are praying for the church ruled by God's word. In congregation, the focus in this petition, in this sermon, will be on the activity of the Word of God in making the kingdom come. You could say the Word of God is like a royal scepter by which the kingdom is ruled, by which the kingdom is advanced. Now, Already in the Old Testament, God's people looked forward to the coming of the kingdom. 
very clearly, God was referred to as the king. You can think of those psalms. Many psalms speak about God's kingship, God's rule over all the nations and lands. He's the king of, of the whole world. But sometimes God is referred to as king, particularly in his special relationship with Israel. I think of Numbers 23, verse 21, where Numbers 23 is Balaam speaking about the people of God when Balak had got him to curse God's people. And instead of cursing them, then Balaam blessed him. And this is what he said about the people of God. He has not, talking about God now, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God's kingship is also in a special relationship with Israel. He is the king of his people in a special way. That's why they could be so strong and victorious. The Lord was their king, their mighty king, who brought their enemies to nothing. And then you know what happened in the exile. Although they were the people of God, with God as their king, God let the other nations be stronger. He let them conquer his people and take them away to exile. But even when that was happening, God remained the king. And so we have those, those prophecies of Isaiah that speak about that. That speak about God continuing to be king, even in that context of the coming exile. And so Isaiah says in chapter 40, where he's speaking about God coming to, to judge the nations. Isaiah in chapter 40 is speaking about what would happen with the exile and the restoration after the exile. So he's speaking about how God would come to judge the enemies of his people and deliver his people. He says in verse 10, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. In other words, God remains king and he will come and deliver his people. And Isaiah works that out. He even says in chapter 45, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings. In other words, the Lord says, I'm going to use Cyrus, a mighty, powerful king, but he is going to be used for my purposes with my people. God remained king. Remember, Cyrus was the one who allowed them to return. That was the Lord revealing his kingship. He was king above the mighty kingdoms of the earth. And then in chapter 52, Isaiah says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things to Zion, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And then we can also think of the fact of how the nations would come to see that God was king. We also have the prophecies of Obadiah. Where Obadiah is speaking about God punishing Edom for their hatred of Israel. How the Lord will 
judge Edom for that. And then he says in verse 21, Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Clearly the Lord will be seen as the one who is ruling. It will be very obvious. And so in the Old Testament, God's people knew that God was king. He was their king in a special way. He would give them the victory. And they lived in the expectation of the day of the Lord when that would all become clear. God's rule, God's kingship, when His people would be delivered and the enemies would be brought to nothing. That's that that Old Testament expectation that Israel was looking forward to. And then you can understand, congregation, what an amazing proclamation it was when John the Baptist came. And how did he start preaching? He said, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. They'd been waiting for such a long time. And John said, it's coming. It's at hand. And then when the Lord Jesus came, he took over the work of John as it were, and he continued with exactly the same message. He said, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. That Old Testament expectation was coming to realization. The promised king had come. King, Jesus Christ. And see, congregation, the kingdom work he did while he was on earth. He preached. He proclaimed the kingdom was at hand. He proclaimed forgiveness to the people. He showed that he had come to flee, to free God's people from slavery to sin. That he would give them the victory, the deliverance in that way. He had come to bring them to the light of his kingdom. And he didn't just reveal to them the great work of deliverance that he'd come to do. But he also taught them as king. He taught them about the manner of life in the kingdom. This is now how kingdom citizens live. This is how people live who are under the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the king. And you know that's the Sermon on the Mount. At length, the Lord Jesus explains this is how to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But he didn't just teach them how to live. He also taught them you have to pray for the kingdom. Pray Your kingdom come. In congregation, he also showed in his work that he was king. He revealed so clearly that he was more powerful than the demons by casting them out with authority. He showed that he was more powerful than disease by healing the sick. In congregation, he he called his disciples to believe in him. He drew attention to his person. Believe in me and so bear fruit, he told them. He says, I am the one in whom you will receive forgiveness. I am the one who will work in you. Renewal. I will give you a place in the everlasting kingdom. He drew attention to himself and his preaching, his work, his person. He did not point and say the kingdom of God is there or the kingdom of God is there, but he revealed that it was present in him and his work.
In how congregation does the kingdom come today? Through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one in whom the kingdom comes. After his glorious resurrection, the disciples were with him. We read that from Acts chapter 1. And they asked him. And they said, Lord, and here you hear that Old Testament expectation again. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what did the Lord Jesus say? It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. How would the kingdom come? Through them going out, preaching the gospel to the nations. The gospel of Jesus Christ. They would have to go forth to preach that gospel. Preach Christ. Preach salvation and new life and obedience in Christ because the law by itself does not change people. The law by itself, the commands cannot make people obedient citizens. But you need to preach Christ in whom citizens can live and work and serve. And so that message went forth, repent from your rebellion and sin, believe, turn from sin and serve the King of the Kingdom. That's the message of the gospel that went forth for the advancing of the kingdom. And that congregation is why God's word is so central to the coming of the kingdom. And you can even see that in the, the explanation in the Lord's Day. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come. And then it explains that. And the first thing it says is, so rule us by your word and spirit. The word is important. And then it says, preserve and increase your church. And the church is, is, is gathered through the Word. The Word is central. And then it continues, destroy not just every power that raises itself against you, but every conspiracy against your holy Word. The Word of God is the scepter of the kingdom as King Jesus rules and gathers. That's why the devil is so opposed to the Word of God. It's the scepter of the King. That gospel of Jesus Christ. And so congregation, when you pray your kingdom come, what are you praying for? You're praying for the progress of the rule of God's Word in your life. You're asking that you will be made more obedient. You're asking that God will work that in you for Christ's sake. Through His Spirit, make you obedient kingdom citizens. And he works that congregation through the word. And so when you pray your kingdom come, you're saying to God, Lord, make the preaching effective in my life. Make it that what I hear on Sunday will affect me, will change me, will cause me to grow in your ways that I may be a faithful citizen. And then you understand, congregation, if you're praying for the advance of the word of God in your life, that we need to pray and work. We shouldn't pray and then find excuses to skip church. That's why we need to be there in the a.m. and the p.m. To, 
It's one thing to ask for the Lord to make advance with his word in our life. But then we also have to be there where that word is proclaimed. This is a humble petition. You're saying, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there. I've still got a long way to go. Lord, please continue with your work of your word in my life. That gospel of Jesus Christ. You're asking God to show you how to serve him in every part of life. Understand, make me understand, O Lord, how to serve you as a citizen of the kingdom in my work as an architect. Help me to understand what it means to be an accountant under the rule of Jesus Christ. Help me to understand how to serve in my cabinet maker business as a citizen of God's kingdom. Help me see and understand how to do that as a mother under the rule of Jesus Christ, as a grandmother. Every part of life, O Lord, help me to understand from your word how it is that I am to serve as a citizen of the kingdom. And you don't only pray for the progress of the rule of God's word in your life, but citizens, citizens who care about the kingdom, they're also going to ask for the advance of the kingdom, expansion of it. Therefore, pray for it. And you know, congregation, how much rebellion there is against the king. How much we are surrounded by those who shake their fists at the king. Pray for mission. When you're praying your kingdom come, you're praying for mission. Lord, bless that proclamation of the gospel also there in lay. That the kingdom may come. You're praying for a blessing over witnessing of the congregation here, that others may learn about Jesus Christ and that gospel may come to faith in Him, submit to Him as King through our witness, through our confession, through our walk. And praying for the expansion of the kingdom, you're also asking for children to be born into the church and brought up as citizens of the kingdom of heaven as the parents promise when they are baptized. Lord, grant those things. We seek the coming of the kingdom. Pray for it, congregation. We soon enter 2018 and this petition remains so urgent. That's how Christ's return comes closer as more and more people are gathered in to the kingdom. When you pray your kingdom come, you're also praying for the preservation of the church. As we have seen, how does the kingdom come? Through the word going forth. The word is important for the coming of the kingdom. And the church is the pillar and bulwark of the truth. And so when you pray for the, the coming of the kingdom, you're praying for the preservation of the church. You're praying for faithful preaching. You're praying that God would give Reverend Hach what he needs to expound Scripture Sunday by Sunday. You're praying for a blessing over the catechism instruction as that will begin again in 2018. That those truths may be taught, the truths of the gospel to the young people of the church. Praying for the coming of the kingdom. You are praying for the home visits. Give the office bearers what they need when they come into our homes, when they come with the Word of God when they come to see if we are living as faithful citizens of the kingdom of heaven and encouraging us on in that. 
You're praying for orderly church life. It's through orderly church life that the gospel can continue its work. You think of the marks of the church, the first mark, the pure preaching of the gospel. Think of the last mark, discipline, and those who are disobedient and rebel against the king. Without those marks, there will be no kingdom progress. The kingdom won't advance. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ where all things are done in submission to Him. Congregation, it's not marketing techniques that make better people. It's not human rules that make better people. It's the preaching that makes better people. That forms sinners into saints, into citizens of the kingdom of heaven. See how important the church is for the coming of the kingdom. See how important the preservation of the church is where the gospel is proclaimed for the coming of the kingdom. And so are you praying for these things, congregation? Are you praying that the kingdom may come? That the word may make advances also in this place? Do you pray for the other members? That you pray that the kingdom may come in their life. It's easy to gossip about the sins and weaknesses of others. We often quickly see that in other people. And we shouldn't gossip. But we should pray for the advance of the kingdom in the life of the others. Bring that to the Lord. Lord, make that brother, that sister, that family, give them what they need in their circumstances, to serve you and do your will. Don't talk about each other, but pray for each other to God. Pray for the coming of the kingdom. That brings us to our second point. In this petition, we also pray for the demise of the enemies of God's word. In our explanation, the Catechism's explanation of this petition, it says, we're also praying that God will destroy the works of the devil. And you think, congregation, about his works. How did he bring sin into the world? Came to Eve. He told her a lie. A lie that was believed. A lie that was against the Word of God. The fall into sin was a casting off of the rule of God's Word in the world. Eve said, I'm going to do what the devil says. I'm going to follow him. Rather than submit to what God has said in His Word. In His Word to us. And so congregation... The evil powers which raise themselves against God. They hate His Word. And they don't want to see people submitting to the rule of the Word of God. The rule of that scepter. And so they rage against the Word. Before the sermon we sang from Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 speaks 
about rebellion. The rebellion against the King of the Kingdom of Heaven. But see how it describes their hostility. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. They don't want the bonds of God's law. They want to reject the rule of God's law. They want to do their own thing. And you know that that rebellion that Psalm 2 speaks about was fulfilled in the opposition to Jesus Christ. We can read about that in Acts chapter 4, where in praying to God, the apostles, the believers, they, they quote this psalm. And then they say, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. They were opposed to the king that you had given. And what were they so opposed to, congregation? They were opposed to his word. They hated the word of the king of the kingdom of heaven. Also, as that king continued his rule through the work that the apostles were doing. Because Acts chapter 4, where they make this prayer that comes after Peter and John had been told by the Sanhedrin, no more preaching in the name of Jesus. It's over. Opposition to the word of God. And what's so striking is that when the apostles pray, they've just been threatened. And the Sanhedrin had sought and accomplished the death of Jesus Christ. So it wasn't as if that group making threats was something to be scoffed at. Oh, they'll never do that. It's serious. If the Sanhedrin is threatening you to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, a serious threat. But what do the apostles do? What do they pray for when they've been threatened like that? Maybe we would expect they pray for safety, but they don't. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They understood, congregation, what was at stake, the stopping of the preaching of the gospel. And that's why they asked for strength to preach that word, for courage to preach that word. They understood the opposition for what it was. See the hatred against the word of God. Then you understand, we use that word conspiracy. Destroy every conspiracy against your holy word. The devil hates faithful preaching because that's how the word of God, that's how the kingdom is going to come. I think of the work of the Jews during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying so hard to trap him in his words. To undermine his preaching, his teaching. And even after he had risen from the dead, what did they do? They paid the soldiers to go and tell lies. To undermine the truth of the gospel of the resurrection. These are all conspiracies against the word of God. You know what a conspiracy is. That's a hidden plot with, with evil intent. Something done in secret. 
deceitful scheming with evil intentions. Maybe you remember there was a conspiracy in the Old Testament. Absalom, son of David, wanted to be king. And he and it's good to just pay attention to that for a moment because we can see how a conspiracy works. It was done undercover, as it were. It was undermining the rule of David. When people used to come to Jerusalem to talk to David to get justice from the royal court, Absalom would take them aside and he would greet them and he would show a lot of friendliness and he'd say, if I were king, I would make sure that you would get justice. And so he started to win the people over to himself. And then when things were ripe, he, he made a, up a story and he said to his father, I need to go to Hebron to fulfill a vow covering his intentions. He'd sent spies throughout the land to tell the people when you hear the trumpet and say Absalom reigns in Hebron. It was all done in secret away from his father's eyes. And once it came out into the open, it was too late to stop. The damage had been done. And that's what led to civil war. That's a conspiracy congregation. The devil needs to find ways to undermine the authority of the word of God in the church. So he surrounds the true church with lies of the false church. You think of all those warnings in the New Testament about false teachers. That's for good reason. So that we always stay on guard against half-truths and twistings of the truth. So many churches will say doctrine is not important. Just love Jesus and do good. And that weakens our commitment to the truth. To the confessions. And once it comes out that we've been getting taken in by this, then it's almost too late. And then there's the, the attack of postmodernism. It tempts us to think in shades of grey. It hates black and white thinking. That affects us. And then there's that, that idea that hurt feelings have to be avoided at all costs, even at the cost of allowing the error to thrive. Another conspiracy against the Word of God where you can't speak pointedly and say that's wrong. Or you come too busy to study God's words. Our lives become full. No time for family devotions, or if we do them, we quickly rush through them. So that there's less time for training our children. Conspiracies against the Word of God. And often, once the damage has been done, in a hidden way, it comes out when it's too late. Satan is crafty. He uses our weakness, our lack of vigilance. Think of what Paul said to the Galatians. You're being bewitched by false teaching. And Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, you are ready to accept someone who preaches a different Jesus. As God's people, it's so easy to get taken in. And the Bible warns about that. How we need to pray, your kingdom come, destroy, expose, bring to nothing the conspiracies against your word. Pray for the minister congregation. Pray for the elders that they may see when 
the conspiracies are making advances in our homes that they may have that spiritual insight and discernment to guide us, to point it out to us. That's what you're praying when you say your kingdom come. Pray for Bible study that we may see and help each other see the errors by studying God's word together. The Bible comes with so much warning about false teachers who will attempt to deceive. Think of what John wrote about the Antichrist, the many Antichrists. Think of what Paul warns about the man of lawlessness. With this petition we are praying, Lord, grant that we may not be caught napping, but that our eyes may be opened, that we may see the dangers for what they are. And congregation, this opposition against the Word of God, this rebellion against the King of the Kingdom will not continue forever. And that brings us to our last point. In this petition we pray for the fullness of the kingdom. The word come, your kingdom come, points to progress. To progress toward an end goal. The enemies will not be victorious. Christ's resurrection and His ascension assures us of that. The enemy will be vanquished. The church will be gathered. Creation will be restored. He is victorious King. And He will bring those things about. And that's the assurance with which we pray every time again, Your kingdom come. And that reading from Corinthians gives us that confidence. We read from chapter 15. And once all who are Christ have been made alive, then we read in verse 24, then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. In principle, the enemies were already defeated on the cross. But Christ is working towards their total destruction. And obviously this the subjection of the enemies to Christ is going to be different from the church's subjection to Christ. That's a willing subjection work through the Holy Spirit. The subjection of the enemies of, to Christ is going to be Him bringing them to everlasting defeat in the second death, the lake of fire. But once all has been brought into submission, He will hand the kingdom over to the Father that God may be all in all. And that doesn't mean that Christ will no longer be king. But that his task of bringing in the elect and defeating all his enemies, that that will be finished forever. And then the triune God will be acknowledged by all as king and sovereign. The kingdom then will have come in fullness. What a day that's going to be, congregation. There will be no more unbelieving world. No more rebellion against the King. Just joyful, communal. A whole new humanity serving the King forever. Living in God's creation. Serving as citizens of the everlasting kingdom in all perfection forever. Serving as we were created to serve. What a day that is going to be. Do you understand now? Why we must keep praying this petition also as we enter 2018. That's what we're looking forward to. The fullness of the coming of the kingdom. And therefore, congregation, also as you enter the new year, be busy with this prayer. Increasingly busy.
pray, your kingdom come. God will hear, it will come. Amen.